I am a huge advocate for saying that orgasm isn't necessarily the goal. Mm-hmm. It's great, but it's more the overall pleasure of it and how you're feeling about yourself. If it feels good. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Back to the Body. Want to know what's been getting in the way of your pleasure? Learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness by taking Back to the Body's sexual wellness quiz for women. Visit backtothebody.org to take the quiz and unlock your radical path to holistic wellness. That's Back to the Body, B-A-C-K-T-O-T-H-E, B-O-D-Y, backtothebody.org, and you can take the free sexual wellness quiz for women now. The link is also in the episode's description. Back to the Body is a sexual wellness retreat for women. They host immersive week-long retreats that transport women to beautiful locations where they can express and explore themselves in a nurturing and non-judgmental environment. And if you haven't listened yet, go check out episode 226 with Back to the Body founder Pamela Madsen or episode 217 with Cosmo Means and Melissa D, two folks who work on Back to the Body's awesome team. Again, to learn more about Back to the Body, go to backtothebody.org. That's backtothebody.org. Now, on to the episode. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. My name is Nicoletta Heidegger, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and sexologist. And this week, I am excited to welcome Trisha Wise. Trisha, aka Safe Slut, is a New York City-based writer, Reiki master, herbalist, esthetician, content creator, sexual health advocate, witch, and meme lord. Trisha was diagnosed with genital herpes in November 2019, and after noticing the stigma and shame surrounding being herpes positive, she created her awesome Instagram account, Safe Slut, or Safe.Slut, to help people take their power back while promoting sex positivity, helping to destigmatize STIs and slut shaming, and promoting safer sex practices. In addition to this, she wanted to share her passion for herbal potions and Reiki healing. She also spends her time writing about sex and dating on her Patreon, helping people through their herpes diagnoses with support calls and Reiki, and breaking down taboos on her web series, Getting Sloppy with Safe Slut. In May 2022, she also started her OnlyFans account called At Herpes Witch uh, to show you that you can be HSV positive and still be hot as fuck. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Uh, And I can attest, hot AF. So... (laughs) I'm starting out this season by asking folks what the best sex they had recently is. And you can broadly define that however you'd like as anything recently that's been really pleasurable. So it doesn't have to be partnered. It doesn't have to be our standard definition of sex, but something recently that was feeling pretty fucking good. Awesome. I love this question. Um, So I'm going to go with two days ago. I'm actually going to start to release 
uh, my own sex toy line. Um, so I'm Congratulations. like, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like, I've been wanting to do it for so long. So I, I'm still like in the midst of it. So it's not, it'll probably be like a few months, but I'm testing vibrators right now, which is such a fun <laughs> job to have. Um, you poor and thing. I, I know. I'm like, oh, I had to try out nine different vibrators this week. Um, <laughs> I'm working. Don't bother me. <laughs> I know. Like, literally, I'm like, oh, this is great. And yeah, I had the best solo session with one of the vibrators. So one of those will 100% be on my website soon. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that you're willing to share about like what makes a quote unquote good solo session or how to make it even better for oneself? Um, so I am a huge advocate for saying that like orgasm isn't necessarily the goal. Mm-hmm. It's great, but it's more the overall pleasure of it. Um, and how you're feeling about yourself, um, if it feels good. Um, so it was just like, I get into the habit of masturbating like the same way with like the same exact vibrator. So it was nice to switch it up. So yeah, switching it up was fun. And then it was a great orgasm, even though pleasure is more important. It was a great orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, both can be, I think when we focus more on pleasure inadvertently, the orgasm can feel better. So when you take away the goal the process can be more fun. And then the goal can also be fun if that is your goal. Um, Yeah. I, I love that you specified that. And I think a lot of us get stuck in that same routine and it's like not bad to have a way of receiving pleasure that is like most reliable for you. And it's fine to have that as a menu item when you're like, I know that this is my most reliable route to orgasm. I know I can like rub one out quickly, but I do think in a non-shameful way, it's good to be like, let's try some other stuff and see, is there anything else I could like? Is there anything else I didn't know that I liked that I was into? Um, It's so important. It's important. It's also just fun to switch it up. Like I, I personally actually have like situational um, anorgasmia. Um, so like when I find something that works, I'm like, all right, we are sticking with this. Mm. Um, so, which is also why like to me, if I don't orgasm, it's not the end of the world. Um, Cause I also get in my head quite often. Um, so yeah, but when I find a new way, I'm super into it. So it oh, well, I'm happy for you. And for folks who don't know, um, can you talk a little bit about situational anorgasmia yeah. and kind of what, what gets in the way for you? So basically it's the inability to orgasm. Um, since it's situational, it's not all the time. Um, for me, if I'm using a vibrator, like it's going to happen every single time. Cause it's just kind of like forcing me to have one. <laughs> um, Cause it's like super intense. Um, but like with partners or even sometimes alone, just like using my hand going um, old school um, it's really hard for me because I get very much in my head. Like, whereas a vibrator is so like strong, it's just like I have no control. Um, but situational anorgasmia or anorgasmia in general can stem from like a number of things, whether it's like a medication you're taking, usually like SSRI, or like anxiety, trauma. It could be a number of things. For me, it's just getting in my head and like anxiety. So love. Yes. Love <laughs> and <laughs> I just want to normalize you've probably heard this if you listen to the podcast before, but uh, it also just happens because you're not a robot, right? A human being, we're affected by things in our environment, whether you're tired, whether you're stressed, whether it's a new partner, um, whether you're in your head, just on a normal scale, our body doesn't operate perfectly all the time. So if you're experiencing this, you know, now and then, it's fine. It's okay. This is normal. I know it can feel like upsetting and disappointing. And I'd, I'd love to hear about how you maybe kind of talk yourself 
out of it or work yourself up to where it's like, okay, this is fine. Um, and if you're experiencing this ongoing, might be the time to go to a sexual medicine specialist just to make sure there isn't something going on with medication, with nerve stuff, with hormones to rule that in or rule that out. And then if it's not physical, then might be the time to seek out a coach, a therapist, a body worker, um, because you definitely deserve to explore what pleasure your body's capable of. But a lot of us get stuck in our head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mine was like a very long journey because I was very confused. Like when I was in my early twenties and like Mm -hmm. late teens having sex and being like, this feels good, but like, why is this not happening? Well, because nobody talks to us about it. (laughs) Nobody talks to us about it. And I also was not having good sex as most Mm. of us like are not when you're in college and sleeping with men. Um, Yeah. Well, that's, I guess that's another thing, right? If you're not enjoying the sex you're having and you're assuming you're going to come just from penetration, that's another way. Yeah, I had no I had no idea that most people couldn't come from it. So obviously I felt like really like shameful about it that I couldn't. Yeah. Um, but one of my boyfriends in college ended up buying me my first vibrator and we used it. Thank it was, you like, to him. Yeah. I know he actually like was like really verbally abusive and like sucked, but oh. that was well, that was one good thing. So that's good. <laughs> no <laughs> one's all good or all bad, I guess. Glad you yeah. took that from it. But I did like he he did teach me how to have like good sex because before that I was not having good sex. So there's some good things that came out of that, but, um, doesn't it suck that a lot of great sex happens with shitty people? It's always with like a toxic person. Oh, because it's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Literally, literally. Um, but it's funny though. Like I just kind of used my vibrator and would just do like, okay, I know this works. So I'm just going to do this. And that's it. Like even during partnered sex, I wasn't like most of the time, if it was casual, they wouldn't even ask me about if I'm coming. So like it, it wouldn't, it wasn't really like on the table that like Mm. I would feel embarrassed that I didn't Mm -hmm. um but with like long-term relationships like I wasn't embarrassed by it it was just like normalized that we just like okay we pull up my vibrator like before or after during you know Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't until I got herpes that I started diving into like sexuality work and whatnot where I um was like oh I actually want to spend time like giving myself pleasure like whether that's like switching it up or like trying to use my hand more than not just like relying on the vibrator um and spending more time like making time for my pleasure not just like all right banging one out so Mm -hmm. it's and it's got my sex life has gotten better whether that's like solo or partnered because I'm actually like being conscious and like focusing on myself whereas I wasn't doing that before yeah what was it about getting herpes that kind of opened it up for you to focus more on pleasure herpes literally like fucked up my life in the best way Mm. like initially it obviously was traumatizing and devastating I got it from someone who like knew they had it and didn't tell me um and I also had a lot of previous like sexual trauma that I didn't like realize I had until after so just honestly doing more research about herpes starting my um, safe slut account kind of led me to like doing this work I also became a Reiki master um what like right after I got um diagnosed with herpes so that also was like part of my healing journey Mm -hmm. but I just became like super interested in like sexuality in general so it was just kind of like unlearning and learning new things um and also just like herpes forced me to like have confidence and like love myself which I like did not before yeah um so yeah I'm actually like it sounds like weird to say but I'm like very grateful 
that I got herpes. Mm. Well, for folks out there listening, um, we're going to talk about, you know, your experience with herpes and stuff, but I think everyone has a different experience, right? So if you are curious to hear about some other experiences with STIs and how that's been for other folks, um, you can go back to uh, my episode, um, HIV Princess with Kelly Gluckman. You can also listen to... um, H on my chest with Courtney Brames and also an episode um, with Emily DePass about herpes as well. Um, but it's different for everybody. So for you, what do you feel like was most helpful in shifting from this is horrible. My life is over. Nobody's going to love me, which is what a lot of, I don't want to assume that's what you thought, but I think that's what oh, most of us thought Yeah. yeah. Um, to being like, now this is my fucking empire and this is a blessing in disguise. Like what yeah. was most helpful for you in that journey? I feel like a number of things, um, finding support with people who also have it was huge. Um, so like going on Instagram, like I found, yeah, like Courtney Brame, Emily DePass, um, Ray, who did, um, not positively positive that, but that podcast as well, um, rated positive results. Like there's just so many, there were so many accounts out there that I was like, okay, like this is really helpful. And then also telling people in my personal life, I'm like such an open book, a true Leo. Like I just like, can't shut my mouth. So I told like basically everyone I knew and I got so many me twos or people that like, I have it too. I've never told anyone. So there was just this like, all these people who have it, but just like, don't want to talk about it. Um, And I definitely felt like I was like, so alone, no one's going to love me. But then I kind of got over that, like, no one's going to love me thing. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to find someone who's like down with this. That's fine. But my issue was like, okay, but I'm 25. I'm a slut. Can I still have casual sex? Mm -hmm. That's kind of my idea of like, what made me want to start safe slut because there wasn't too many people talking about like being casual and herpes positive and I wanted yeah, to like, a lot of people talk uh, about it like in relationships right yeah yeah exactly um so that was one of the main reasons I wanted to start it so yeah it was like finding support education was huge just like learning about the virus in general you're like wow we're just so misinformed as a society because if you really knew the facts about herpes you'd be like okay why are people freaking out about this right and then it took me a while to like get into like an actual like pleasure practice and like start on my like confidence journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I bought myself a fancy new vibrator. Um, it took me a while to use it. Um, and around that time, it was like right before the pandemic hit was when I got it. And I have a friend who was a photographer and I like kind of told her my story And she was like, let's do a nude photo shoot in the woods and just like make it this like witchy empowerment thing. So highly recommend taking nudes when you're feeling low because I felt so hot. I was like, hell yeah, I'm like, I'm back. I feel like even more confident than before. Um, So you don't have to do like an elaborate photo shoot. You can just take take nudes in your room or something if you want. But have you taken any when you have an outbreak? Yes. um, So I actually... Every time I have one now, I make sure to take really hot nudes and I yeah. post them for fans. <laughs> I love that. Well, this is why I, I always say to folks, clients and on the podcast alike, but I think it's worth repeating 10,000 times over that like pleasure is also a resource and pleasure is a healing tool. I think a lot of us, if we feel like we're in a body that is not pleasure able, whether you have an STI or something else going on, I think a lot of people are like, well, if I 
if I'm not feeling a hundred percent, I don't deserve to have the pleasure as opposed to like, even when you're not feeling it, pleasure is a tool to get to a place to love yourself more and to be in that space of, I, I deserve this. And wow, look, this body can still have a lot of pleasure. And I think it's, it's an essential healing mechanism, not just something that you get to have when you're perfect. Yeah. And I, I also think just like sexual energy in general is extremely healing. Um, and again, I, pleasure and sexuality can go together, but pleasure doesn't have to be sexual. Yeah. So it can also be doing something pleasurable that still makes you like feel hot. Um, yeah. But for me, it's definitely taking nudes. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, so like it, it was hard though at the beginning of like doing it, especially like when I had an outbreak where I'm like, oh, I feel like I don't want to put on like hot lingerie and like get all glammed up. But then like once I do it and take the photos, I'm like, oh my God, I not only do I like look exactly the same as when I don't have an outbreak, like I'm I'm still really hot. And like, um, when it comes to like having a partner when you're having an outbreak or like wanting to sleep with someone, um, again, I don't think you have to like cancel your plan unless you're like not feeling up to it. There's so many other ways that you can have sex. Like there's outer course, there's things you can do without that, without involving that area, which is another way to like make yourself not feel bad when you have an outbreak. You're like, I can still give them oral, they can use a toy on me, like safe, like safely, like obviously you're going to wash it after and whatnot, but like that can still be really healing too, to still feel like you can get like sexual pleasure. Um, break. yeah yeah it, it definitely takes a while to get, to get over it, but like whenever I like feel that way or would feel that way I think about it like okay if I had a UTI I would be doing the same thing I'd like let's just avoid that because I'm definitely not having sex during that so it's kind of yeah exactly it's so there's like so many different like ways to look at it so like when it comes down to it like it's just a virus we society just places the connotation about it but when you take that away it's like just a, a virus where you're like okay can't do that today you know Yeah. Yeah, I I mean I I moved to New York during the pandemic. So like when I got here. Yeah. So once it's like open, I was like balls to the wall being wild. Um now I'm very much a grandma because I'm tired. But um there's so many other ways that you can have sex. Like there's outer course, there's things you can do without that, without involving that area, mm -hmm. which is another way to like make yourself not feel bad when you have an outbreak. You're like, I can still give them oral. They can use a toy on me, like safe, like safely, like obviously you're going to wash it after and whatnot, but like that can still be really healing too, to still feel like you can get like sexual pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, break. 
Yeah, I feel like um, that one took me a while. So I have um, I have oral herpes, and that one took me a little bit because I at first I think I felt a little bit sad because I was like, oh, we have to avoid this part of my body because it's like bad um, as opposed to like, oh, this is a fun, creative way to like get creative with sex and like not use our mouth. And like, what are the other fun ways that we can connect? Um, Mm -hmm. But it took some time, I think, to get to that place of not being like, oh, we have to avoid this because it's like a bad, naughty danger zone. That's gross. Right. Yeah. It it definitely takes a while to get over it. But like whenever I like feel that way or would feel that way. I think about it like, okay, if I had a UTI, I would be doing the same thing. I'd like, let's just mm-hmm. avoid that. Cause I'm definitely not having sex during that. Yeah. So or if your back hurts, if your back hurts that day. Hurts. Yeah, exactly. It's so there's like so many different like ways to look at it. So like when it comes down to it, like it's just a virus. We society just places the connotation about it. Yeah. But when you take that away, it's like just a, a virus where you're like, okay, can't do that today. You know, I mean, I feel like folks often focus on the um, the difficult or the negative side of like, well, when do you tell someone and how do you deal with the rejection? But I'd love to focus a little bit on the times when you how you've disclosed and how it went during times when it was received well and you still had like a slutty good old time. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any times that stand out where you can talk about it going well that helped you remember that like you can find people, people want to connect with you, you're desirable and all of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I moved to New York during the pandemic. So like when I got oh, here, wow. that's a yeah. heavy so time was, like, open. I was like balls to the wall being wild. Um, now I'm very much a grandma because I'm tired. I am so excited to partner with Back to the Body for this episode. I had an amazing experience at Back to the Body retreats and have made lifelong friends and colleagues through their community. I want you to have the kind of pleasure expansion that I was able to have after just one retreat. It truly improved my life. Their amazing retreats include exotic locations, five bodywork sessions, many hours of private coaching, cutting-edge sexual health workshops, ongoing connection to a sisterhood, and so much more. The Back to the Body method has been developed over 10 years of working with over 1,000 women in Back to the Body containers with a team of world-class sex educators, mental health professionals, and coaches. Their retreats were even used in a recent study on the potential benefits of sexological bodywork retreats by an independent and unbiased lens. The study shared that women attending their retreats reported positive effects on the following in their lives, uh, arousal, sexual self-image, body image, feelings about genitals, sexual assertiveness, sexual satisfaction, and experience of sisterhood. Check out Back to the Body today at backtothebody.org. That's backtothebody.org. Now back to the episode. When I first got here, I would go, I just made like every dating app and then just would like disclose for fun in different ways just to kind of get it, get like the verbiage, get comfortable with it and like see how people feel about it. And most of the time it was just like, thanks for your honesty. That's really hot like that you care to tell me and that you're like on top of your shit. Um, Or it'd be like, I don't know about that. Can you tell me about that? So that was like pretty much the reaction most of the time. I would also get like kind of drunk as one does. Um during quarantine and <laughs> would just just text people off the bat wanna fuck and obviously everyone was like yes and then i'd be like okay cool i have herpes blah 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 and i'm going to the spiel and they would just be like okay cool would you want to come over now um <laughs> which i didn't because i don't like go to random people's houses but um but it was good practice 
but it, yeah, it was good practice. Um, but one specific time, this was one of the first times I actually disclosed in person. Um, and it was also like a casual hookup from a dating app. I met this guy. We were like, just like, it was just strictly sex. So we, I was like, let's go for a walk. Um, and we started walking. Then we sat down on a bench um, and I was just kind of like, so when have you last been tested for STIs? Just kind of just blatantly said it. And then he kind of like, was like, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, cool. Um, I am negative for this, this, and this. Um, I do have HSV too. Like, do you know what that is? And he like, was like, yeah, I used to like cut someone's hair who like does like herpes positive advocacy and like, he's a comedian or blah, blah. And I was like, oh, cool. And, um, yeah. And now I'm actually like really good friends with this person still. So it's like, um, this was like three years ago at this point. Um, so yeah, there's, there's usually that's a response is either like, oh, I know someone with it. I've like heard about it or I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, it's very rare that someone's like, ew, gross. I mean, I don't, that's never happened to me where someone said that. I've been rejected, but no one's been like, ew, that's disgusting. Yeah. Um, if, and if I do get rejected, it's just their lack of education, honestly. Um, cause it's actually funny. The, I've been rejected by, I think like two or three people, and two of them get cold sores. <laughs> so it's just like, you're silly. Like, you're, you're uneducated. You don't so. know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, again, I, I wouldn't want to date or fuck someone who isn't like, it's fine if you're not knowledgeable about this because we weren't taught this in sex ed, but it's like, you're not even like open enough to like learn about it. And that's a huge turnoff for me. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember one time I was on a date with somebody and we were, you know, starting to become clear that we were going to, you know, want to hook up. And so we kind of started to have that, you know, discussion. And I very much do it the same way as you very directly. And, you know, I make it, I make it fun and flirty because it doesn't have to be like an annoyingly serious conversation. And, you know, I, I disclose that I get, you know, cold sores now and then, and that's HSV one. And, you know, if you have questions about that, let me know. And this was the, actually the first time that I was somewhat rejected for it. And they responded and, you know, were it, it scared them. It scared them. Um, they definitely had some like triggers around it. I think definitely due to like lack of education, and then I, they did ask some questions and I was like, yeah, cold sores are, you know, herpes type, uh, can be herpes type one or type two, but, you know, occur orally. And they were like, well, I've had cold sores, but my STI test said that I don't have H HSV. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, sometimes there are false negatives if you don't have an outbreak and depends on like what they're testing for. And, you know, it was all this stuff. And they like still didn't want to make out, even though they'd had cold sores, and I was just like, at, at that point, at that point to me, it's like, okay, this is maybe like a good rule out for someone that I don't really want to play with because I don't want to have to, like, it's important to educate people about how we want things. But at some point, I want the other person to also like do some of their own education. And that makes me feel safer to be sluttier. And it yeah. was just like, great, not a good fit. <laughs> Yeah, because there's actually been times where I've disclosed to someone and they responded and were like, I have never been tested. And then they were like, okay, but do you want to like fuck? And they didn't ask me like any questions about herpes. And I'm like, you should have some sort of like line. I don't, I don't know. Like if someone just like disclosed something to me that I had no knowledge of and they're like, you could potentially get this. I'd be like, 
okay, like I would love to know all the information about it before I make a decision. Right. But like this was someone who's never been tested and just like didn't care. And that yeah. was really scary to me. <laughs> yeah. That like they, they aren't maybe having these types of conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was like a 32 year old man. And I was like, that's awful. But um, personally, like I wasn't having those conversations before I got herpes. I yeah. was okay with not letting people wear condoms. Cause I was like too scared to ask for it um, mm. or speak up for myself. And then I would like go get tested the next day. Cause I was like freaking out, which also is like a STI wouldn't show up the next day. It takes right. some time. That's also another thing. Well, but, uh, anxiety is not always logical, as most yeah, people know. Yeah. <laughs> I can attest. I'm just hearing that, like, getting this diagnosis um, has maybe opened up the ways for you to have better sex. Because now I'm hearing that you're less scared to have these conversations, which also includes having the conversations about what you want and what you like. So you're probably having better sex. 100%. There's just, like, way, like better communication right off the bat. Cause I have mm-hmm. to have this more like vulnerable conversation. Right. And then they're also sharing too. I don't like to look at like disclosure as a disclosure. I'm like, we're having an open conversation about our sexual health. They're also sharing. Um, so since we have this like kind of vulnerable and intimate conversation beforehand, mm-hmm. it's just going to lead to more trust, intimacy, better sex in general. Yeah. And I feel like more confident talking about these things and like speaking up for myself. And like, if I feel like I'm getting the ick from someone or something doesn't feel right. Like I'm leaving. So, yeah. You talk about using Reiki um, for healing work with yourself and with others. Um, I would love to hear a little bit about um, Reiki, kind of how that work is for you and how you think it's been helpful for, for herpes. Yeah. So whenever I try to explain Reiki, I feel like it sounds like I'm like a nut because it just like, it's kind of like weird to be like, okay, put my hands on someone and do certain placements. And then it just like heals them, like either like physically, emotionally, like whatever needs to be healed. Well, you're talking Um, to another nut. So hopefully there's some other nuts out there listening. (laughs) But yeah, so basically I was attuned in all three levels of Reiki. I personally feel like I'm a Reiki master, but I feel like it's a continuous like learning process and and whatnot with with something like that. But yeah, so I got attuned in Reiki one like a month or so after I was diagnosed. And I actually signed up for the class before I got herpes. So it came at like such a perfect time. And doing the like healing sessions on myself just helped me through a lot of sexual trauma, which obviously in turn helped me through like herpes, which was also another trauma, obviously. And then I was able to start working on other people. And then with like Reiki 2, Reiki Master, it's like a lot stronger and I can work on like people from a distance or in person. And yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Like I'll be working on someone who's in like England, like I'm in New York right now and I'm like feeling their energy from like that far away. So it's really wild, but, um, yeah, I really like working on people. Um, usually it's other people with herpes or any type of sexual trauma, just because it's that type of work is so important to me, but obviously I work on like anyone who wants Reiki, but yeah, it's, it's weird. I even have a friend that I got attuned with and after class, I didn't know her at the time after class, she came up to me and she was like, during our like session, I like felt all this, like, sexual goddess energy from you and this was before I I didn't tell anyone about like safe slut yet and I was like oh well that's really fitting because that's literally like the line of work that I'm doing so it's just like one of these like weird Mm -hmm. like shins and stuff so it just kind of also 
reaffirmed the work that I'm doing is like, I feel like my absolute calling. Yeah. In what ways have you seen maybe the the energy or the trauma associated with herpes or STIs manifest in somebody's body? Usually it's a lot in their sacral chakra, which is like obviously like genital region. So it's usually like that area. I can feel it. Um, or honestly, sometimes the crown chakra, um, because herpes is a virus of the nervous system, mm. the crown chakra is related to the nervous system. So sometimes I can feel a lot of energy. Um, everyone's different for when they work. When I'm like working on someone, I'm just like, sometimes I'll have like, I'll just feel my hand move to a certain area that just like needs, it needs to just be there and like heal that. Some people like see visions or colors and stuff. Usually I just like feel it or just know. Mm. Um, so it's interesting to, Yeah feel it in those specific spots and be like, wow, yeah, your sacral energy needs some work. (laughs) And what have you felt or what have people reported after doing some Reiki work about how their body feels? Um, Some people have told me they felt exactly where I was, Um, especially during a distance session. They're like, oh, I could feel when you were like on that chakra. Um, Some people were just like, I feel like really calm. Some people had like an emotional response. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to re- respond to it definitely. Some people might be like, I don't really feel anything, but I feel good. Um, so it's it's different. It's fun working on people who are also really spiritual because I feel like the connection is really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend who I do, um, she's like an intimacy coach and I do sessions with her occasionally. And she's also just like very witchy. And our when I do sessions on her, it's like so unreal, like the, the connection that I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so or there's some people who are also just like more open to receiving. If you're not like, if you're like, oh, I'm kind of like skeptical of this, it's probably not going to work because you're kind of not, you're not letting it in. Mm-hmm. So people who are more spiritual are just like really open to receiving. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about uh, being a witch. How do you define witchery for yourself and and how has that impacted your your sex and pleasure life? Yeah. It's funny because I'm like a witch, but I'm not like, I don't believe in like any organized religion. So it's kind of just like me doing my own thing and what feels right to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been into like herbs and stuff. So I became an herbalist in my early twenties. So working with like plants and just kind of being into nature and, Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously that kind of with the Reiki, all these kind of like healing methods. Um, But for me, it's just like a tool of empowerment, Mm -hmm. um, especially with like manifesting and stuff. And then, with the sexuality stuff now it's like doing this like sex magic rituals um or just even like journaling like there's so many like small things um that is witchy and and whatnot um and I also am really conscious of like where I'm getting my witch rituals and practice from just so I'm not like because some people will just like I don't know like light some sage and like that's not like appropriation and, and all of that stuff and whatnot so I really I'm still like studying more of this um but I am um Italian American so very Guido and I have a bunch of like Italian witchcraft and like Italian folk magic books Mm -hmm. so kind of taking um stuff from there and and using that into my own practice as well which feels really right to me because it's like that connection that I'm like my that ancestral yeah yeah and it's in also like specific region in Italy too um trying to like get more information there um mm. so yeah I really if That's people are awesome. with me or like trying to get into it like I really recommend looking into like your own culture yeah. and 
finding what what practices they use um because right. a lot of it too in italian witchcraft is like stuff that like italians still do they just don't realize that it's actually like oh like what um so uh italians are very catholic um i grew up catholic and the way that they like pray to saints is like kind of like worshiping like kind of like goddesses and stuff mm. and then also um you know like the evil eye it's that's like big in like a lot of cultures mm-hmm. um italians wear um this little um it's like corno it's like this it looks like a little pepper um and it's supposed to ward off the evil eye and like all these like very religious italian catholics wear it without knowing that it's like to ward off the evil eye which is like a very like witchy thing yeah Uh, or even just like little things like um when you're cooking like if you spill salt you're supposed to like brush it out to like um your front door to not mm-hmm. I don't know there's all these like little things where I'm like okay that's really yeah because like spirits <laughs> can't cross salt or something right yeah yeah all these like little things but it's funny because it's like they're so religious and like Catholic but they don't realize that a lot of what their spirituality comes from is like witchcraft <laughs> yeah or more like um many god uh really old religious practices mm-hmm, mm-hmm. interesting it's really interesting to read about too even if you're yeah. not like it's cool um i would love to hear about like a sex magic practice you've done what that you know for folks who are maybe interested in and what that can be and how it manifested for you yeah um it can be really simple like usually if it's like a solo pleasure session where i feel like you're trying to manifest something like you're just like really visualizing that while you're while you're having that solo pleasure and like you doesn't usually like people have to like you like seal it with like the orgasm but i personally don't believe in that i think you can just be doing it and visualizing mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah seal it with your pleasure your arousal seal it with your pleasure yeah if someone has a hard time with orgasm i'm like you don't have to orgasm for it to work mm-hmm. um, so it's just like little things like that i feel like it doesn't have to be big your witchcraft like it's just like little things every day yeah and I think, you know, a lot of people do, I've even had, you know, pushback on the podcast and stuff for talking about woo-woo stuff or things like that. And and my answer to that is there's so much in the power of ritual that's been done since humans evolved, right? Yeah. And like joining people in community and having shared like sacred space. And so to me, this is a, an honoring of like time old ancestral traditions you know and and i think to minimize it to like well that's woo woo is cutting off so much important ancestral like knowledge and experiences of of things and there's also a science to the woo which i talk about on the podcast as well of like the you know energy and the way that we sort of study um study that stuff and there there are research on these things and so for folks who minimize it as woo i invite you to like check out the intersection between science and the metaphysical or science and like energetics um yeah it's quite interesting yeah no it's so real i and unfortunately i do feel like because there's recently been more of that like woo woo like right wing woo woo that's like very like anti-vax and like uh yes so that's kind of, I think, people's perception of that. So mm. like, I'm very... That you can be woo and also like science. Yeah. Like I'm very much like I'm going to get vaccinated. Like I'm very much like a science-based person, but you can still be woo-woo. So it's mm. just kind of like you can be both. Um, yeah. I think, do you think it gets a negative connotation because of that or like or like brands like Goop and like that Gwyneth Paltrow stuff that like 
is woo woo, but like just like steals and profits from people. Mm. Um, so I get, I get why people are like very like adverse to it. Yeah. Um, but people, I mean, even like with Reiki, they like in hospitals, they have like Reiki practitioners come in on and work on people. So it is like, yeah, there are science-based facts to it. So. Yeah. And just to, like I said, honoring different cultures. Yeah. Um, so you also have in this kind of like herbalist witchy realm, you have a uh, herbal vulva care line. Um, would love to hear a little bit about this, how you chose what's in it and and how you've seen it maybe help folks. Yeah. So um, I had a brand before I got herpes where I was making like tinctures and um, like body care products. And I've always been interested in like um, vaginal health stuff, just as someone who like always used to get UTIs and yeast infections. Um, And like, I, I, again, like I prefer like a natural route and like, and if that doesn't work, then it's like, okay, then like give me the antibiotics. Um, So when I got herpes, I had all these herbs in my kitchen and I was like, well, let me to make myself like a healing oil for when I get an outbreak so I can put something like nice and soothing and calming on it. Um, and then once I started safe, so I was like, oh my God, I should just like make this for people. It works really well for me. So I started with my goddess oil, which um, is just a mix of like really calming herbs. Um, the, one of the main ones is lemon balm, which is like the ultimate herpes herb. Um, Cause you can also take it internally, not my goddess oil, but like the herb itself. Um and it's what does lemon balm do for the body it's so it's um a nervine so it's a herb for the nervous system and so when the nervous system's activated that's when you can get a herpes outbreak mm-hmm. and it's so it's just like a calming it helps with like stomach aches stress anxiety literally everything i actually have a tattoo of lemon balm because i love it mm. so much i actually hate this tattoo though they did a really bad job but so. but the intention is there <laughs> there i'm gonna get it fixed up at some point um and so I have that. It works really well. It also, you can use it like after a wax um, on like eczema. It's just like, you can put it anywhere on your body. I just want to put it on your face because there's coconut oil in it and that's comedogenic, which can clog your pores. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a bunch of tinctures. So that's like um, you, I basically you put an herb or a couple of herbs in some alcohol and it, it extracts the herbs. So it makes it really strong. So it's like having a cup of tea, like put in a few drops. So it's really strong. And so I have a lemon balm one, obviously. And then I have um, a mix, a bunch of, I have like a sleep one, a PMS tincture, um, a slut tincture. So it's like a nice little aphrodisiac. Um, and yeah. So awesome. they're really fun to make. And yeah, and it, that's also like a good like witchy practice too. And it's, yeah. And they're all Reiki charged too. So they have a little extra vibrational kick. Uh, for folks who maybe don't understand what that means, what what does it mean for something to be Reiki charged? Um, so as it says, if I'm doing Reiki on someone, I'm doing Reiki on the product. Mm-hmm. So I'll do some Reiki symbols. I'll kind of just like put this um, intention into it when I'm making it, when I'm straining it and putting it in the bottles and then when I'm shipping it. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically it's just like elevating it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll try to put some maybe in the, uh, in the show notes, but there are a lot of really like interesting scientific research studies out there about like quantumly altering products and things through energetic work, um, which is, is pretty interesting. Like it can affect how someone like receives medicine and the actual like um, chemical makeup of stuff. Yeah, so that's cool. I, mean, I haven't read that. So I would love to yeah, read. I'll have to, fo- I'll have to find it and, and see if I could put it in the show notes, but there's a, a lot of folks who are doing a lot of research around that and um, 
I think this also dates back to, to just like looking at how plants grow or other things um, grow in a gay research um, laboratory when you like talk to it in different ways. Like I was just going to say that. Yeah. yeah positive yeah. energy or negative energy and like how something grows and its overall health. So there, there is a lot of research on this. I think that's so cute. I remember like making fun of my mom when I was younger because she would talk to our Christmas tree. It's like, mom, you're being embarrassing. But I'm like, but she had the right idea. Yeah. Like talk to your, like talk to your plants. I love it. <laughs> yeah. The Christmas tree. Sorry. I killed you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and she would my, she would feel bad when we had to like throw the tree away so she would always leave like one ornament on it so it wasn't alone <laughs> <laughs> oh, sad. oh yeah i've cried about trees i've cried about rocks i'm like <laughs> we're on the same page on the same page yeah i when I, I have a sister we shared a room growing up and i would always have like a rock collection oh, yeah. and she'd be like Can you like throw these away and i'd be like no these are like my literal friends like so <laughs> Oh I mean, yeah. you know, when you're younger like you're a witch now <laughs> yeah i'm not alone i have my rocks yeah yeah <laughs> no one else wants to hang out with me because i'm talking to my rocks but you know yeah. i have them so it's fine. And i'm happy yeah <laughs> this episode is sponsored by our friends at back to the body want to know what's been getting in the way of your pleasure learn what your unique obstacles are to sexual wellness by taking back to the body's sexual wellness quiz for women Visit backtothebody.org to take the quiz and unlock your radical path to holistic wellness. That's backtothebody, B-A-C-K-T-O-T-H-E-B-O-D-Y, backtothebody.org, and you can take the free sexual wellness quiz for women now. The link is also in the episode's description. Back to the Body is a sexual wellness retreat for women. They host immersive week-long retreats that transport women to beautiful locations where they can express and explore themselves in a nurturing and non-judgmental environment. And if you haven't listened yet, go check out episode 226 with Back to the Body founder Pamela Madsen or episode 217 with Cosmo Means and Melissa D, two folks who work on Back to the Body's awesome team. Again, to learn more about Back to the Body, go to backtothebody.org. That's backtothebody.org. Now, on to the episode. So if folks want to go check out your witchy or non-witchy slutty content, um, how can people get in touch, hire you, follow what you're doing, all the things? I'm on literally every social media platform. Um, so Instagram and TikTok are both at safe.slut. Um, Twitter's at safe underscore slut. Um, my Patreon's just safe slut as well as my YouTube. Um, my OnlyFans is at herpes.witch. And then my website is safeslut.shop, um, which is where you can like um, buy my products, book a session with me, or um, send me an email. I think that's all of my... Oh, and then on Playboy, I, I'm Safe Slut as well. So Amazing. I think that's all. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. Again, listeners, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, uh, sometimes on TikTok, <laughs> Sluts and Scholars. Uh, you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. And please don't forget to rate and review. It is super helpful. And check out the advertiser discounts. Thanks so much. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. 
None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. 